Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, away with the manger. (laughs) Marisa brings the case against her husband, Jay. They've blended atheist, Jewish, and Catholic traditions for their household, but they've reached an impasse on holiday decorations. They both agree to a Christmas tree, but Jay objects to a nativity scene for both religious and aesthetic reasons. Should Marisa be allowed to display a traditional nativity scene? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. I'm dreaming (laughs) of some internet justice (laughs) with every justice card I write. I'm actually a little behind on my justice cards this year. May your days... Be merry and bright, <laughs> and may all your pie holes <laughs> be Jesse, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that 365 days of the year you can find a tableau in his home entitled The Birth of the Hodge? (laughs) I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? Uh, Thank you very much, guys. Um, How are you? Uh, Merry, uh, Merry Atheist War on Christmas, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, likewise. Thank you, Thank you very much. Hail Satan. <laughs> Will you not join me in saying hail, hail Satan? <laughs> <laughs> I saved that for my altar. That's what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about, the podcast war on Satansmas. These people exactly. won't say hail Satan with me, Bailiff Jesse. Yeah, I doubted you before, but I believe you now. And and when you doubted me, what did I do? I cursed you to a terrible cold. It's true, and listen to my voice. Using the magic, uh. using using the magic poultice given to me by Anton Levey himself <laughs> when I was seven years old. Hello. For an immediate summary judgment in your favor, I know that you can both name the piece of culture that I sung when I entered the courtroom. Correct? Yes. Yes. And I'm usually bad on culture, so I, right. that's a help for me. Well, it's, a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. In it, who wrote it? Marisa? Oh, thank you. It is Marisa. I don't know. No, Marisa, Marisa did not write it. Incorrect answer. <laughs> Jay, do you know who wrote it? I don't. Really? The answer, so neither of you get justice, at least not summary justice. The answer is uh, Irving Berlin. Oh. And do you know why it is interesting that Irving Berlin wrote that song? Among many reasons. Well, he was, he was Jewish. He was Jewish. That is correct. He also wrote uh, Happy Holidays, uh, which was the, the original salvo in the war on Christmas, apparently, because it was not quite Christmassy enough. Uh, but no, Irving Berlin, a, a Jewish guy who, who wrote one of the most famous Christmas songs, White Christmas, for... The movie, 1954, Bing Crosby, 
movie, White Christmas, but also one of not only the the most Christmassy of Christmas songs, but arguably the whitest of Christmas songs. <laughs> insofar, insofar as it bracketed an idea of Christmas, which is uh, not only ethnographically very narrow, um, but geographically very narrow as well. I mean, basically we're talking about uh, the the Caucasian uh, Northeast uh, of this country and 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 throughout the throughout the West and Midwest, but you know there are large 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 parts of this world that celebrate Christmas um, that that no no white Christmas in either sense of the word. But there you go, Irving Berlin. Now, you guys live in a blended household, uh, uh, religiously speaking. Is that correct? Yes. And Marisa, uh, do you bring this case before the court for justice? I do. And what is the problem? Well, we we do live in a, a, a blended household, and I um, I am Catholic by upbringing. I, I am sort of spiritual. Um, I'm not certain. I'm sorry. What did you say? That is, I said I'm spiritual. I'm not certain that Catholicism is the religion. I you know am open to to many different religions, um, but we have a daughter now. Pardon me, pardon um, me for one moment, please. Jess, uh, Bailiff Jesse? Yes, sir. Could you go back on the record and tell me if Marisa said that she was spiritual? <laughs> Marisa did oh, no. say that she was spiritual. Was All that a right. code word I shouldn't be using? Summary judgment in favor of Jay. Thank you very much. Oh, it was great talking it. to both of you. This is the sound I of a gavel. <laughs> this, is oh, a, no. this is the sound of a snap judgment gavel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being very judgy Before right now. <laughs> being very ju- so, no, let me, let me understand. You were raised Catholic. Yes. And, when, was and the last I, time, when was the last time you went to Mass? Well, last Sunday, but I've, I've actually, because I'm looking for, we just recently moved, I'm looking for a new church, but um, I've been apart from the Catholic Church for a while because I have... I have issues with it, you know, politically. Um, but so I went to not a Catholic mass. Um, it was a sort of right. multi-denominational Christian okay. um, church. This is digging a little further. Yeah. But the point no, 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 is. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just for a second now. <laughs> mm-hmm. just, because, just because I am mean about people saying that they are spiritual does not mean that I do not recognize multi- multi-faith or, or, or multi-denominational churches as being valuable in people's lives, I think it's great. But you understand, when I asked when was the last time you were in Mass, I was speaking as a double-lapsed Catholic myself. Uh, my parents were Catholics who left the church or who left regular, uh, regular service in the church, and I was raised uh, in the godless atmosphere of Brookline, Massachusetts. I may as well have been raised by Anton LaVey, basically. <laughs> So I have, I have very rarely been to Mass. But when I say, when were you last at Mass, you know I'm talking about R.C. Mass. Because I have no problem with your multi-denominational church. But as far as the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church is, that is, a, uh, that is a Canadian house of pizza and garbage. You may as well be going right. to. Right? Okay. So the last time I was at a Catholic Mass was actually last Christmas Eve, probably. I think it was. And mm. it will be this Christmas Eve as well. Yeah. Um, and so, but the, the reason that the, the case is about, um, we do celebrate Christmas in my family, mm-hmm. um, but also now with our family, with our daughter. And if we are going to celebrate it, I want the meaning of the holiday to be present. And so therefore, um, I want to 
have a nativity, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just, you know, the Mary and the Joseph and the baby Jesus, um, but just to have that present in addition to the Christmas tree and presents and all of that. Just for those few <laughs> listeners for whom the war on Christmas has been so successful, they may not know what you are talking about, <laughs> because joyless, joyless, atheists, joyless atheists have removed nativities from the public square. Basically, we're talking about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph action figures, right? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted me to describe our specific nativity. No, but Um, I believe Jay has sent in images of. Yes, we have Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We have an entire farm, including six sheep, three people holding sheep, wise men. And I think, yes, the entire town of Bethlehem. Okay. Stand stand by for a second, because I can really sense your anger about this nativity coming off you. <laughs> and I and I do want a moment to explore it. But but <laughs> sorry. But no, that's okay. Marisa is is Jay, your husband, describing the actual nativity that was given to you by your grandmother? That's correct. All right. And so generally speaking, a nativity is a is a small scene with Jesus, Mary and Joseph action figures and maybe some wise men and maybe some three kings bearing some frankincense and myrrh and so forth and you know, maybe some animals, maybe a like a like a like an ass, right? Or what? What are we talking? What are the animals involved? Maybe some camels, right? Aren't there some camels sometimes yep. you see them, right? And it's donkey, a donkey. That's what I call. That's what I call an ass because I yep. ca- I can because it's my podcast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a and it's a and it's a scene that 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 may be interpreted very realistically or or interpretively, and you would display it where typically speaking, like in your living room. Mm-hmm. That's where I, we would display it. We have a kind of joint living dining room area, so probably there. And how? And so next this- to, by the way, mm-hmm. which the menorah that came um, yesterday in the mail from Jay's mother, mm-hmm. to which Jay responded, "Oh no, you're going to use that against me." But anyway, we we, we have a menorah, um, so I would envision putting it next to that, you know, in I, celebration of multiple. I also, having grown up in 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 Brookline, Massachusetts, I've attended m- many. Hanukkah evenings, so I know what a menorah is, and I don't really know how you could use it against someone. It would make a terrible weapon, frankly. <laughs> um, J- uh, Jay, I'll turn to you now. You described already this nativity scene in, in great and angry detail. How old, first of all, is your daughter? May I presume her name is Godlessa? Yes. Uh, Alessia is 19 months old. Oh, okay. Alessia, excuse me. I must have misheard. 19 months old. So really, she's completely unaware of anything that's going on around her at this time, right? Other than her affection for mom and dad, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and her love I'd of biscuits. I'd say by next year, though, she'll have a sense. Okay. And so this is uh, this will be her second Christmas? Yes. All right. So, Jay, you celebrate Christmas in your house. You observe uh, Hanukkah as well? Well, we, to say we celebrate, uh, I guess it depends what you mean by celebrate. I mean, this is the first okay. year well, I've your, had a menorah because case, one had been, you know, given to me by my mother just uh-huh. yesterday. Um, in previous years, we've had a Christmas tree, uh-huh. uh, which I enjoy having. Um, the celebration of Christmas, both Christmas Eve and Christmas, is done has been done with her parents in her in her family's um, in her you know where she grew up, the house where she grew up, and with her relatives. Mm-hmm. So we haven't done any you know major celebrating of religious events in our house. So would it be better to say instead of celebrate these holidays, bitterly endure them? <laughs> No, I enjoy I no, 
no, no, that's that that's that's not the case. I and Jay's brother you, comes to these celebrations, and yeah, yeah, I, I I I do not dislike the holidays. I really enjoy having a Christmas tree. I enjoy celebrating Christmas with her family. I find mm-hmm. you know the joy and the giving of gifts, and I can take and I can even experience the joy that, that other people have in celebrating the birth of their God. I've got no issue with that. It's a question of what happens inside my own house and what is sort of, you know, just runs contrary to my own beliefs. Uh, what are your beliefs? Are you a spiritual person? No. No, <laughs> no, I, no I am not. So what, so was, what are your yeah. beliefs, if I may ask? I believe we live in, uh, in a universe without any uh, extraordinary deity or any deity of any kind mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, our time here on Earth is our own. And then when it's done, it's done. So, you know, just put it simply, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a deep intellectual, um, you know, background in, in atheist literature. You know, I don't spend a lot of time reading about it or studying it. Suffice it to say that you're not spiritual. I am not. In fact, one of the, uh, at our wedding, somebody described me as, as spiritual in one of the toasts, and it just, it just eats at me a little to this day. I don't, I don't, I don't know how anyone could have described you as spiritual. I've known you for exactly fifteen minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you are you are a theist and a spiritual, as far as I can tell. Yes, I am. Okay. But, but you're, you 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 all right. You believe in no in you do not believe in, in or practice any religion, right? Right. Fair enough, right. You're an atheist. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just so I am clear here and 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 can figure out the best way to pit you guys against each other in a way that amuses me personally. Um, Marcia, uh, uh, excuse me, Marisa, uh, yes. you you would not describe yourself as an atheist. No. You would describe yourself no, as a spiritual I, person? I have a belief that there's something. Yes. I would describe myself as a spiritual person. I stand by that. You believe that there is something else? Just, if you were not going to say spiritual, the reason that I have – the reason, that, so, I, the reason yeah. that I take issue with spiritual is that um, it is so um, inclusive as to become meaningless. And I yeah. think that when you – are a person of faith, and I would I would say that I am not strongly or not at all, but I respect people of faith, and I respect people of faith because they are they are putting they are putting their um, uh, their their flag of belief down in a particular territory to say this is what I believe, whereas uh, spiritualism encompasses everything from a belief in a, in a monotheistic God to seances. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, easy, Jay. I don't need you backing me up here, pal. I got it. I got this one, okay? I'm like, I actually said right, and that was me. That was oh, Marisa. But... Oh, excuse me. Well, thank you, Marisa. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. Judge, Judge Hodgman, I would like you to know I'm not the angry person you seem to believe I am. <laughs> we'll just, Whoa, we'll cool decide. out, Jay. <laughs> Whoa, I don't right. need that attitude from you. You know what, Bailiff Jesse? I think Jay may need to be restrained for the first time. And- <laughs> Judge John Hodgman, listen, listen to his maniacal laughter. I, I don't know. Out of control. I don't feel very so. So you know, spiritualism allows people to 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 say that they believe in God or uh, or something else without actually having to state 
uh, what it is that they are, what they to stake a claim and what they're believing in, and then to have people either agree with them or disagree with them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think so, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a difficult thing to defend uh, faith. That's why it's called faith. Do you know what I mean? And I think uh, I think you know to just say I'm spiritual is a, is a way to try to evade difficult conversations. But you know, it's it's so real stuff. I can go deeper. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> go do deeper. It. Um, I believe that there is something greater than humans mm-hmm. at play in the universe, mm-hmm. and I don't know that it is the Roman Catholic God. Mm-hmm. As much as whether I know if it's the Buddha or mm-hmm. um, Allah or, or whoever, mm-hmm. um, so or if it's a god at all, a monotheistic god at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. Um, specifically, in part because of my my Catholic upbringing, um, I do find some faith in thinking about Jesus Christ, um, mm-hmm. who, in part because of his human qualities, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know the. The part of faith that is about thinking about um, how you want to live your life mm-hmm. and sort of the the like values of compassion and all that, mm-hmm. which are not only things you can do through faith, you can do it through other things as well. But that's something that I access through faith as well. Um, and even just, you know, I don't know, the other morning walking through the Forest Hill Cemetery near our house, um, I just felt like, oh, I had a moment where I felt like a presence of something greater than myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to call that. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of some of what is at play for me. And is someone playing the saw in the background? Oh, goodness. We have opera so, singers <laughs> next door. Oh, delightful. <laughs> We're oh. in a little apartment. It's, a, it's an angelic <laughs> choir. <laughs> you hear how they sing, Jay, when she describes the feeling of a presence of something else? Yeah, she you has know, no idea who's singing is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> As I get older, um, since, you, since you honored my request to be very specific, I will, I will become equally vulnerable in a way that Jay never will be. And, sorry, I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that while, while as I get older, m- my instinct tends to lean much more and, s- frankly, sadly, to Jay's position that, uh, that, that what we perceive is what there is, and therefore we must not waste our time uh, 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 being distracted from it. That is an atheist position. I also have felt moments of presence, um, typically when I was younger and I think probably high on Oreos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I appreciate what a powerful feeling it can be and why that And I don't think the two things are necessarily in conflict with each other. Uh, which is to say the idea of what what you perceive is what there is and also there are maybe things we don't perceive, right? I I just don't think they're necessarily Well, like, I I describe myself as agnostic, which is to say I am open to the idea that there is something beyond my perception. I don't think any mm-hmm. rational person could ever not say that. Um, what that is, I do not know. And, and that it is um, something that will provide me everlasting life after I die and decay seems almost hopelessly optimistic. But And I, I don't necessarily be- know that either. Or that's not central to my belief system either. So the, I guess the question I'm asking... Marisa is, would you marry me? 
No, 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 no. Excuse me. We're both already married. Well, what a, but we had a moment there, I think. We had a moment of presence. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm going to say before I recuse myself. Sweetie, Judge John Hodgman asked if I'd marry him. That's so exciting. Yeah, you don't mind, Jay. You're an atheist, right? What do you care? Well, you know, you're ang- you've, you've called me an angry person and you try to steal my wife. I don't know. This isn't going the way I thought it would go. Yeah, Jay, no. you're an atheist. Go marry a dog. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Let's go. Go marry a dog. Let's go. Sac- yeah, let's go. Let's all go. You know, let's sac- let's sacrifice some some uh, some uh, some uh, some oxen and dance around a golden calf. Yeah, like in the movie Dragnet. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Jesse, Jesse, and I've, really, I are, I've lost the thread here entirely. No, no, I understand. It's a little confusing. Jesse and I are trying to form our own syncretic religion. <laughs> Uh, a kind of multi-denominational church based on the movie Dragnet and also my vague memories of, of the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston. And, uh, and the rituals are a little confusing, but let's just say it's going to be a good time. But now, to get back to serious stuff here, let's talk about this nativity scene. Marisa, you want it. Jay, you do not want it. And I will give you a chance to explain yourself in a moment, sir. Marisa, here's the question that I have. Um, do you believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ? I believe that it's possible. So unknown. So uh, unknown. Okay. What does the nativity scene specifically mean to you such that you want to have it in your house? It it represents that um, there was a person who had great impact um, and that such that we celebrate every year his birth and that that is the source spiritual and otherwise is the source of, of our celebration. And so I want that represented and central in our presence, including physically um, as we, you know, have our Christmas tree and next year have Santa Claus and so forth. May I just say you appreciate that it is very unlikely that, that Jesus Christ was born on December 25th. Yes. Right. It's basically this yes, but this wa- that's is, Washington's birthday. But this is when we celebrate it, right? Yeah. I also just want to say, because I know you're going to go to Jay, but I just want to say, like, I get that there's two, there's different belief systems at play here. And my general feeling is to embrace the expression of multiple belief systems, um, which is so having a minority and nativity next to each other. And if there's other, you know, that. Um, totally works for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard here. And why I chose to bring this case forward is that the belief system of atheism, there isn't like an expression to represent it, (laughs) except to say, don't put that up. Right. And so that's what that's the challenge um, that we seek your (laughs) your judgment on. Well, but Jay, would you say that it's your position that there should that, that there should be no symbol of religious holiday in your home? For me, it's important that there's a way to interpret what we have in a way that's not religious. Mm -hmm. So a Christmas tree, I can look at something that's just seasonally, you know, it's a seasonal, lovely thing. It smells nice. It looks good. You put lights on it. It's pretty. It's got, I know it's got a heritage that predates Christianity, Um, you know, a menorah, to, you know, can be appreciated for the the lighting and you know for the for the beauty of just having candles for the lighting um, for the lighting and its use as a weapon. 
And first, it's used as a weapon, yes. Um, <laughs> it's the Jewish throwing star. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, but, but I, but you know, a nativity, that my difficulty is that in a nativity, there's just no other way to interpret the, you know, the statuary. You've got, you know, a representation of what is supposed to be, you know, the holiest day in history with the son and the son of God himself there in a cradle surrounded by, you know, wise men and angels. I mean, there's no way for me to look at that and and not see that, you know, a, a, a view of, of faith in my house that's really very contrary to what I believe. In, in what ways is it contrary to what you believe? I mean, specifically, it's you know, there is divinity. There is you know that there is a, a that there is a God. You know, and moreover, that God was this specific person who lived in th- this specific time. Right. Um, but the, but the yeah. menorah is not the menorah uh, a representation of a miracle. I mean, that is that represents divine intervention in the Maccabees' lighting needs. Does it not? It, it, uh, it uh-huh. is it. Yes, it is a representation of of a divine act, right. and as and a Christmas tree is, a, you know, clearly got a Christian. You know, oh no, you a, love the you love the Christmas tree because that is purely godless. That is, that okay. is that, <laughs> oh yeah, the, the Christmas tree is 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 utterly hey. pagan, and it's and it's <laughs> in its origin, it was it was part of uh, it was part of a a, a trans Germanic druidic Yule ritual. Right. That, right. That has nothing. I mean, the the we we uh, arguments that I tend to think are compelling have been made that the reason that we celebrate Christmas and in, in December when it is very unlikely that Jesus Christ was actually born was so that it would coincide with a variety of midwinter pagan, which is to say, non-Christian uh, uh, ritual observance, such as Yule, such as Saturnalia, such as uh, 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 Anton Levamus, which is curiously an ancient an ancient uh, an ancient roman holiday that i made up the christmas tree was not a part of uh, a symbol of christmas throughout the world except in the german uh in the in the in the, in the german and bavarian areas until the 19th century when um prince albert uh, the the german consort to queen victoria brought a German Christmas tree to Osborne House in England, and then a bunch of postcards were made. And then suddenly everyone thought that's what Christmas was. But it was always a really curious symbol of Christmas because it is so aggressively anti-Christian. In, but in it has its, been co- but it has been co-opted, right? I mean, sure. the, you put an angel on top of it, you put a star, which is supposed to be, you know, the the star of Bethlehem. So there, it, and in our current culture, you know, it, it is a religious symbol to Christians, but it does, because of the heritage, it does give me another way of viewing it. Right, well, these, um, right, right. but these things get synthesized into new interpretations, obviously. Right, when how do you, but how is there to be an interpretation of a manger? Well, that, do, you deny, do you deny that Jesus Christ lived historically as a, as a historical figure? No. Right. So there, there's your interpretation. This dude was born. And I mean, with, surrounded by angels, I, with three wise men coming, giving gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I am, I am playing to some degree the Christ's advocate here, the, the opposite <laughs> of the devil's advocate, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but you know, yes, I I, I think that uh, I think that uh, you could you could interpret it as an artistic interpretation of the birth of a uh, profoundly influential baby. Um, can I respond to that? Yeah, of course you may. Uh, did you did you see the evidence that I submitted earlier today? Uh, let's let's take um, a look at it right now. Indeed, I received the evidence, but it looked so angry to me that I. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, so as far as you know, an artistic interpretation, um, the specifics here are important. These are, I mean, just take a look. These are plastic molded, kind of. I don't know. They 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 don't look so good. They look kind of okay. cheesy. I, I, I see where you're, you're, you're going, and the, the, there, is a, there is an aesthetic issue here, correct? Yeah, okay. I th- there is. All right, so, so now I'm looking at the, at the images themselves, and these, it's very old-timey, very R.C., Catholic, very much the sort of thing that I might have seen, little porcelain figurines of the baby Jesus, a couple of angels, Mary and Joseph, there's a, definitely a camel there. There's a a a weirdly a weirdly vaguely dusky ethnic king from afar bearing a <laughs> bearing a, yeah. a, a a sensor full of frankincense <laughs> or whatever. This is what I would have seen uh, near the Christmas tree at my uh, my aunt Ines and Yolanda's house in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, at Christmas time. Not my cup of tea. Uh, let me see. Now you also sent in a menorah. When I say not my this cup of tea, I say not my cup of tea. Like I wouldn't buy it today. However, uh, nor would I. I I appreciate that uh, if it were if it were given down to me by my aunt Ines and Yolanda, I might not put it out, but I would I would uh, I would keep it very carefully. And here is the menorah that was sent to you, Jay, by your mom. Did you say M- my mom? Yeah, mm-hmm. received yesterday. Received yesterday. And what do you think of this? Because I am going to tell you, this court finds that to be an ugly menorah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, uh, this is my, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm my sorry, mom's going to listen to this. I know. The court knows exactly what it's doing here. Uh, well, it looks more lovely lit up. I don't know. If, no, I'm, I don't know. What yeah, <laughs> it, I, think, I think you might have taken the photo better if you had left the flash off. Um, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, a sort of pottery... Pottery sculpture menorah uh, with with your candles in the base and then growing out of the base. Is it pottery? Is it clay? Is that what I'm, is that the it material? Was, it was formed out of a 55 gallon drum by a Haitian artist oh. um, and purchased at the Jewish Museum. Uh, so it's got the as fundraising for well, what, is, what is works the mat- in Haiti. What is the material? Because I just presumed that it was fired clay that had been made into uh, into into sort of entwined branches with some blue flowers and some birds all over it. And it, to me, it had a very um, a, a very sort of I, I don't know why I want to say this, but kind of like overwrought sort of liberal New Mexico feel to it. Do you know what I mean? But, but that's this, pretty close. Yeah. That's a good description. But what is the, it is, it is iron. It is molded, uh, oh, uh iron from iron. a 55 gallon drum from and and Haitians and Haitians, I, I presume Haitian Jews made this. A Haitian artisan made it. A Haitian artisan. <laughs> yeah, there's a, 
whose background there's is just unknown. a card attached to the menorah that we don't have a you know great history on it right. but to describe this artist's work well here's the thing that i'm going to say jay it's not something that i would choose to necessarily have in my home but it has an interesting story behind it to be sure and more importantly your mom gave it to you which uh has a sense of um family generosity and continuity to it does it not indeed okay um, I think you see the point that I'm making here is that when it comes to these kinds of artifacts, they don't always have as much to do with our personal tastes as they do with a sense of community, continuity, and heritage. I think you could say the same about religion as well, right? You and I, uh, uh, Marisa, we don't have uh, a lot in common uh, with some of the political positions of the Catholic Church, but if you're like me, there's a big cultural heritage there that we feel a part of in the sense that I eat a lot of olive oil and feel guilty all the time. <laughs> no need for guilt about the olive oil. It's good. No, I don't, feel, I don't feel guilty about that. I feel guilty about yeah, everything I know. else. <laughs> guilty and terrified all the time. But. Okay, so Jay, your argument is that this nativity scene is, um, is not to your liking. Would you feel better about a nativity scene that looked a little cooler? Um, you know, perhaps I got to say that the okay. my my feelings on this have evolved, and you know, both the notion of being an atheist and then um, my reaction, you know, then then my feelings towards the nativity have sort of really come in moments where I've been confronted with it. I don't know if I would have expected to have as strong of a reaction uh, to the nativity until I saw it. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, I, mean, I don't know, it, it's it's possible that something that's you know looks a little better in our place. It doesn't look so, um, I don't know, just kind of tacky. And so it was just one of those things where it was like in, almost in, in concept, you kind of were more or less open to it. But then when you saw it, it really kind of set you back a little bit. It did. I had a reaction to it that I really wasn't expecting. Could that be because you um, yeah. are a vampire or a demon? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Okay. You may be possessed. You might want to look into that. Okay. That kind of revulsion to images of Christ tend to tend to fall into the vampire and demon camp. May explain, it may explain the anger as well. It may sound as though I'm being very antagonistic with you, Jay, but I, I, I am truly just being the, the devil's advocate of Christ because I feel you. But I just wanted to verify, first of all, whether or not a cooler-looking nativity would be acceptable to you, or the nativity alone itself is so repellent to you that you have to outlaw it in your house altogether? Yeah, I, I don't know if repellent is the is the word I'd use. There's just a discomfort that comes from having it there. There's something that's so, so specific about having an image of God, you know, a statue of God in your house that is, you know, at odds with my beliefs mm -hmm. that is just very difficult to reconcile. You know, I can, I can work with others, with other, you know, with other emblems of religion, I think, but something that that's specific, I don't know, it's, it's a little difficult to, to describe why that's, um, hits me at such a deep level. What about because it? Because it's figurative, like, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, am I at? No, no, please. I, I think is, I think is it point. because it's like actually figurative, like a literal representation versus like a candle or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there he is. There, he, he, she believes, you know, somebody here believes in a God and there he, there he is right there on the, on the floor. Would you, would you feel comfortable? Like, 
I, I am presuming that you would feel uncomfortable, for example, with a crucifix in your house that featured the the withered, dying form of Jesus himself on the cross because everyone feels uncomfortable looking at that. <laughs> yeah, those are grisly. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable? Would you feel comfortable with a a more interpretive, uh, non body displaying crucifix? I don't know. Um, honestly, the answer to that is I don't. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And you have heard that your wife feels that this is special to her because it is a gift from your grandmother. Is that right, Marisa? Was it yes. passed down to you by your grandmother? Who is, I, is she still living or no? No. Does that mean – what does that mean to you? Jay, I mean now that you – Yeah. Know. I, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, 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 you know, that, that it has – you know, a, a special meaning. Um, there is uh, in this family, there is a um, a lot of significance given to objects. So this isn't exactly the only thing that's being handed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I appreciate that this has got a meaning in in the family. Um, but I, but as much as I, you know, I'm not spiritual, I'm not sentimental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that this was something that was bought at a time for a time. You know, I don't know if it was intended when it was bought to be, you know, this multi-generational um, thing, you know, the thing that would be handed down in, as an heirloom. Right. It's just not, you know, this is molded plastic, you know, that's like a, you know, look at Mary's face and the images, it's kind of coming apart. And so um, if I were to find in your favor, would you want me to find in the favor of you're smashing this in front of your daughter to teach her a lesson about idolatry? <laughs> no, Your Honor. <laughs> what would you like me? What would you like me to do if I find in your favor? What would you like me to order? I would like, in order that a nativity need not be displayed, I that that is what I you know would be most comfortable with. You would like this to be put to be taken out of your home forever or put in a box and never revealed? Yeah. Uh, or displayed. I don't know. I, I guess I could be open to it being displayed very limitedly um, in a, you know, and not in the center of our house mm-hmm. or shown to our daughter for a day or something. I mean, you know, displayed. So she, if Marisa feels it's important for her, Alessia, to see this for it to be, you know, for a confined time in a confined space. Okay. And Marisa, you would obviously like me to order your husband to stop giving you trouble and just let you show this thing around. Not show it around, but, <laughs> right. but display it throughout the Christmas season. Yeah, I mean, for, for you know, it's, it's only like a couple of weeks, like let's say starting now, you know, in, until Christmas. Um, you know, not tucked away in some random corner, cause, you know. I mean, it doesn't have to be front and center, you know, but like a, a place that feels appropriate. And that, you know, for a couple of weeks of the Christmas season. And Jay, before I return to my um, Church of Satan chapel in my chambers, uh, (laughs) you have expressed uh, doubt, or one of the reasons that you you are um, not a fan of this nativity is that you feel that it, without question, represents the divinity of Jesus Christ, which you do not believe in. You have heard your wife express some, let's say, probational belief 
impossible divinity of Jesus Christ? How does that make you feel? Uh, I got to say, actually, the way she described her spirituality and her relationship with Christianity was a little surprising to me. So um, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. I think there are probably uh, some discussions to be had going forward. So I'm I'm curious to hear more. I I presume you mean it was it was not surprising to you in a yay kind of way, but a oh kind of way. Or just more in a huh kind of way. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that probably (laughs) you guys – you guys could could in, enjoy and literally enjoy some uh, time to meditate together and uh, and uh, and in discussion with each other about what all this stuff means to you guys individually and as a couple, particularly in relation to raising your child, God lessa, and, uh, <laughs> and and that might take some, that might take some time. Would you say thirty five seconds will do? Because that's how long I'm going to be in my chambers. <laughs> we, we have had some conversations actually and, and we both enjoyed them a lot uh, right. but it's an ongoing process for sure well i'm gonna go in my chambers now and make up my own mind why don't you sort out what you two believe and how you're and how you're going to talk to your child about god and then when i come back we'll have it all figured out <laughs> okay Good. please rise as judge john hodgman exits the courtroom marisa how are you feeling I'm feeling good. That was that was interesting. I don't know which way the judgment will go, but I feel um, kind of engaged with that conversation. Jay, did we just suck you into just a really big conversation about what spirituality really is, man? Uh, yeah, and I, I don't smoke pot anymore, so it's a uh, <laughs> little, little extra work there. I will say that we've had... With our daughter, we have had some very uh, in-depth discussions around spirituality, and it took a no, long time to figure about her. <laughs> about her, right? It was. It took some. It took a little bit of time to figure out how we were going to deal with church and issues like that. Um, but it, you know, I think we we did a good job of coming to uh, you know coming to some ground that we could both agree, agree upon. How are you feeling about your chances in the case? I, you know, I I really think this could go either way. I really don't know. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. So I've been reflecting a lot on my own faith um, and uh, seeking the counsel of Anton LaVey in my heart. <laughs> and, and, and as well, the teachings of Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks in the movie Dragnet. One of the things that I wanted to explore with you guys today in this interface was when I said that something that is true but may have sounded provocative to the listeners and maybe even to you, Marisa, when I said that I, even even though I did not find that menorah to necessarily be to my taste, generally speaking, I did not feel the same kind of. I I think I use the term repellent, but I, I don't I don't mean it quite that way. The same problematic feelings that I feel about any nativity that I see, and this is as someone who has grown up with. You know, grew up in, in, in the 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 son of of two lapsed Catholics. Certainly, have seen a lot of religious art. Certainly, have seen a lot of um, uh, nativity scenes and a lot of pictures of Jesus bleeding out of every orifice. I know it all. I've seen it all. And there is, um, I think, the reason is that uh, I share with Jay a sense that um, unlike the menorah. There is not a tradition of the secularization of this particular imagery um, that exists uh, 
certainly, well, the Christmas tree was never a, a religious or it was never a Christian image to begin with. It got it got appropriated, as you pointed out, Jay. But that exists with certain other, and certainly with uh, with with the menorah, where there is a, a long tradition of secular observance of Hanukkah. Certainly, in my experience, growing up in Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, whereas there isn't a lot of a tradition of secular nativity scenes or nativity scenes being appreciated in a secular way. This is why the war on Christmas um, that is dredged up every year by Fox News uh, centers so much around nativity scenes because unlike Christmas trees, this is a very specifically religious object. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and and as someone who is typically a-religious and who, like I think all Catholics you know, grow up finding Jesus to be equally fascinating and creepy. There are, the, the images of Jesus in the Catholic Church tend to be very haunting. Do you know what I mean? And often gory, right? Uh, yes. and, and the reverence for this baby um, feels, uh, I think, tied up with my own uh, ambivalence about religion growing up. And again, m- my experience of only ex- seeing these things in the, in the cluttered homes of my of my widowed and spinster aunts in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, in a place where I I already felt as about out of out of my element as I ever would be, um, and therefore felt a little uncomfortable. So I think all of those reasons combine in me to feel this ambiguity. But the most potent one, I think, is the fact that this is a, an image that has not been secularized in our in our history before. And therefore, it causes Jay, who is an avowed, so to speak, atheist, a certain amount of um, discomfort. But that said, there is no question that the menorah, for example, is a religious symbol. It represents a miracle. It represents divine intervention of the kind that, Jay, you do not believe and it is easy for you to say that it represents a continuity of Jewish culture, perhaps, or even simply a continuity of culture with your own mom or your own fascination with seal drums and Haiti. And all of those things would be true, but it doesn't change the fact that that is what it is. And I imagine myself, if the situations were reversed here and the iconography were on the different sides of the argument, my finding in favor of someone saying, I don't mind there being a menorah in the house, but only if it's kept in a special secret box and it's, and it's displayed to my daughter in a limited way so that she has some basic understanding of this wacko religion that my wife has. But it's really not going to be a part of our life at all. I mean, that would not sit well with any podcast listener or with me, you know. And I think that the fact is that you guys have um, obviously complementary views and that they sort of fit together in a, in, a, in a commonsensical way about the big questions of life. You obviously get along very well and have a happy marriage and you have, a, I presume, a lovely daughter. I don't think she's a monster or a demon, but we'll see. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, she's uh, lovely. Right. She's not right. Okay. I mean, when she touches the baby Jesus, does her hand burn? <laughs> no? Then probably it's okay. Right. Um, but you guys have big you, – you, there is a gulf between your beliefs that this and this nativity scene uh, sits on the floor in that gulf. 
And I would say if only for that reason and also for the reason of equitability between the two religious cultures that you come from, if not belief, necessarily belief systems, uh, that you should include that nativity in your observance of, of the winter holidays. Because having that thing out there, by that thing I mean our Lord Jesus Christ as a baby, <laughs> uh, as a topic of discussion is only going to enhance the feeling that these are subjects for open conversation that you and the, you and your wife and your husband and your daughter can all have together and express your different points of view. More information, I think, is always better. That is perhaps the opposite <clears throat> of every world religion, that viewpoint. And at the same time, you need to appreciate that, uh, Jay, that, that whether you like the looks of this thing or not, it is part of not only your wife's um, cultural background, not only your wife's literally family background as an heirloom, but also it speaks to something in your wife as a, as a spiritual person, a term that I will not use snarkily at this moment. Isn't this a, a, a levamous miracle of me to not make fun of someone <laughs> for being spiritual? But I think it's there. And so for all of those reasons, conversation, heritage, equanimity, uh, not equ well, equitability and equanimity as well, um, uh, I have to find in favor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a baby, as a magic baby lying in a manger surrounded by, uh, by mom and virgin dad and camels. Uh, on this, the most very spiritual episode of Judge John Hodgman ever, this is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Marisa, you've won the right to display Baby J. How are you feeling? <laughs> Baby J. <laughs> I'm feeling great. Um, that was that was great. And I, I um, the more information is better. I feel like that's something we can all get behind. So, yay, I feel good. How are you feeling, Jay? I feel fine. I think the reasons for the ruling are, you know, are strong. And uh, as I, I do, I can really get behind that, that message. More information is better. Well, Jay, Marisa, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an Aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, stepmom, a mentor, friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life. Aura frames are the way to go. Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, that's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an Aura frame. <laughs> what I love about the Aura frame is 
you don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog, uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children. Uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't right. even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house or all of them. Uh, it is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, it is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use the code Hodgman at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Stitch Fix. You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI. A human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other. This professional stylist picks the clothes. They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, it, it is an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy to send it back. They give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it. All you have to do is shove the thing in there, close it up, and drop it off at your local mailing center. It is that easy. Can I also say the stuff that my stylist at Stitch Fix picks for me? I really like it. Like, they know me, and it's really terrific. Plus, if you've got small people in your life, sadly, my small people are now adults shopping for themselves. But if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to, to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. That's stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. Stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. Hi, this is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us. This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the science of perfect pitch, the history of pride flags and speedrunning video games. Any questions? Ah, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast, Let's Learn Everything. 
where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, happy holiday justice, Judge Hodgman. Come forward, Jesse, and let Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks walk with you. Let we our, have let our Hollywood black mass begin. We have some cases on the docket. We could clear those out as part of our religious right. Just, just let me take off all my clothes and oil my body, and I will wear I will wear this horse skull mask that I borrowed from Marcus from. From that weird basement studio where we were recording last time. And everything should be perfect. Um, here's something from Robert. He writes, Every year, my wife and I have an argument about the official end of the Christmas holiday season. Even though we are atheists and our celebration is entirely secular, I insist that Christmas is a 12-day feast. Christmas tide that begins on December 25th and ends on January 5th. In time for the Feast of the Epiphany, January 6th. Only on the 6th will I consent to removing the Christmas tree, wreaths, and other decorations from our home. I believe it's generally more festive and enjoy an extended holiday. Also, my appreciation of the 12 days also stems from the song and my Episcopalian upbringing that celebrated the Epiphany. My wife says that Christmas is a single day and decorations are taken down on December 26th. She usually has them struck by New Year's Day. So, for our purposes... When is the last day of secular Christmas? This guy thinks he's going to out Jason Sims, Jason Sims, with all his religious talk about the 12 days and the epiphany and everything else. We already went through this with Sadvent. Boy, oh boy, this guy thinks he's so smart. Yeah, I get it. The 12 days of Christmas, that's the song too. I get it, smarty pants. Secular Christmas smarty pants. Here's what I think. If you are taking down your Christmas ornaments, trees, decorations, etc., on January 5th, you are already doing it much, much, much earlier than most humans in the United States of America and Canada and Mexico and the world. Uh, most people will leave their decorations up well, uh, well into Easter time. So, <laughs> not for any uh, elaborate uh, esoteric religious reason, but because of laziness. Now, I admire the fact that your wife is not lazy and wants to get this stuff out of there. But I think it's if you enjoy uh, the Christmas decorations well into January uh, or specifically to January 5th, I think that's perfectly reasonable. You don't have to come up with a whole bunch of fancy pants uh, explanations regarding the Feast of the Epiphany. Just say, I want to leave them up a little bit longer. I think leaving them up until the 5th compared to the 1st is utterly reasonable and I find in your favor. Here's something from Laura May. My boyfriend, Chris, believes that the way my family gives gifts is devoid of meaning, and I find this assessment unfair. My family tends to make lists around Christmas time of items we'd like to receive that year. It makes gift giving a simpler process that guarantees the recipient something they will enjoy and find useful. In Chris's family, they give gifts based on conjecture about what the recipient would enjoy the most. While we do this for birthdays, it's simpler to use lists at Christmas because of the sheer number of gifts given. I don't think this is any less meaningful, but Chris disagrees. Who's right? 
Well, it is less meaningful to give someone a gift, which is exactly what they have requested on a piece of paper or an email. I mean, that is empirically less meaningful. The best kind of gift is the one that uh, you give to another person that they do not know they want or want so much but cannot bring to buy for themselves. But you cannot do that for every person in your life or else you would be planning uh, Christmas or secular Anton Levesmus or whatever it is that you, whatever gift giving uh, uh, celebration that you celebrate uh, for uh, the entire year. Uh, therefore, I find in your favor, uh, uh, woman who writes this letter, um, it is absolutely fine for your family to request specific things and for you to give specific things. Every family, um, uh, every uh, office, every small uh, cohort of humans has a different way that they handle this kind of gift-giving uh, strategy. Uh, and your husband uh, has the right idea. Um, but it is impractical and unnecessary to force upon the rest of your relations, and he should shut up with his opinions. Leave, <laughs> <laughs> you know, leave that special kind of uh, magical, intuitive gift giving between the two of you. I, I just got the best idea for a gift for you, Jesse. What's and that, I'm, Judge Hodgman? I'm not going to tell you because I want it to be a surprise. Oh, fair enough. But it, but it has something to do, it has something to do with your still sadly creaky, sicky voice, and your and your favorite home remedy, hot Dr Pepper. Oh man, I hope it's singing lessons. I want to sing like a beautiful angel. How did you figure it out? Well, I just put two and two together. Yes, but, and came up with singing lessons. Well, I know that you requested singing lessons, but I'm not giving you singing lessons because I've got a better idea for you. Oh, did you even look at my list? No. I looked at it, and I looked at it derisively, like Chris would do. The guy who wanted who wanted to tell his wife's family how to celebrate Christmas the right way, his name is Chris, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Right, so I just want to remind him, it's Christmas, not Chris's mus. <laughs> now, as part of the, as part of the, the Dragnet Levamus ritual, I am now going to shoot myself in the face with crossbow. But you were going to uh, suggest a gift, Jesse? I think everyone out there in the Judge John Hodgman audience might benefit from subscribing to our MaximumFun.org uh, brother podcast, The Memory Palace. Um, oh, yes. I, this is a monthly short podcast on the, uh, the subject of history. I, I was about to call it a history podcast, but that seems reductivist. It's more of a storytelling podcast. It's, uh, I find it hilarious and, and moving um, and beautiful, and it's just, I, I think it's really something special. And it's only, you know, five or ten minutes of your time every month, um, and it's, it's really spectacular. So look for it in iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. It's called The Memory Palace. And if you want something more physical, why not go to MaxFunStore.com and buy one of the John Hodgman Deranged Millionaire t-shirts? Ooh. I might buy one for myself. That would be extra deranged. <laughs> it would be even better if you, if you like, built a house out of them or something. Uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to sew them together into a giant hot air balloon in the shape of my head. How about a seaplane? Oh. The world's largest seaplane. The world's largest T-shirt seaplane? Of course. Yeah. Now you're I onto something. Okay. We'll talk to you, everybody, next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
merry, dark, and grim Anton Levatsimus to you. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.